0: Hey, guys, as Mark mentioned, we had our baptism night on Thursday. It was glorious, wonderful. And um, before we came out on the stage, we were praying with the worship team and our, our wonderful tech team in the back. You know, we've got these folks uh, in the back here that keep us uh, connected, all the, all the things working, but also connect with our folks online. We welcome you guys. We have a bunch of people joining us in the room right now, but they wear these headsets sometimes and communicate things. And he shared with us sometimes in worship when we go off script, uh, that they will say to each other on the headphones, they'll say, cue Holy Spirit, cue Holy Spirit. And then I was just, yeah, I was like, that that is so cool, man. And so there's an ancient prayer of the church where uh, Christians would say, come Holy Spirit. And I just thought how cool it was that even, even those who are keeping us connected all throughout are saying, yeah, uh, cue Holy Spirit. So would you pray that with me? Would you say that with me? Cue Holy Spirit. And when we cue Holy Spirit, especially a guy like me, we have to take a step back, right, and say, "This is God's time. This is God's place." So I need to not just say that to you. I need to do that in my heart just a little bit right now because I'm excited. And l- pray. Let's pray together. God, would you just um, uh, help us to let go a little bit right now? Q, Holy Spirit. in this worship time, but also just in our lives, God, that we would be open to hearing your voice, open to seeing what you're doing. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us through the gospel story today of Jesus. You have something to say. We know that. So some of us, uh, we let go of some, um, some burdens that we've been carrying, some cynicism some bitterness can't really let go of grief but we just kind of bear that before you Lord we show that to you we acknowledge that to you some of us are in are depressed today and have been all week we show that to you we let you see the darkness shine light in the darkness Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Teach us. The Bible tells us that the Spirit is the guide into all truth. So, Lord, as you show us the truth today, let it penetrate the darkness, let it push all the junk away, let it heal our hearts, lift us up, encourage our spirits, deep unto deep, God, spirit unto spirit, would you speak? We are listening. In Jesus' name, amen amen so uh, just a, a first a quick word of welcome my name is jacob armstrong uh, one of the pastors here, and we want to welcome you if you're a guest. Thanks for coming. Uh, we know each week we have many folks that are here for the first time. and We don't take that lightly. In other words, uh, we know it takes a lot to walk into a new place. So thank you uh, for being here. Uh, we'd love to meet you after the service. We have a gift for you outside these doors at a place that says welcome Guest." Online guest, we welcome you. And again, just our online community. Thanks for joining us today. If you came today to give financially, uh, we have baskets at the doors that you can uh, go to at the end of the service. Or heck, if you want to get up and run. Run back there right now and put your money in the baskets. Uh, and no one will stop you. Uh, but in all seriousness, um, the financial giving to this church is extravagant. And uh, that's because of your faithfulness and your sacrifice. So a word of thanks. And we do give that invitation every week for you to do that either online or in the baskets. Uh, as Mark mentioned, we're wrapping up a study of John that we started in January. And so we've come to a really important moment. And so we don't always do this, but if you're able, I'd like to invite you to stand again for the reading of the gospel. John chapter 20, verse 1 says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Jesus died, but now he is alive. Jesus was buried, but now the tomb is empty. Jesus was nailed to the cross, but it will be an empty grave. That will be the symbol that will define his people. I'll say it again. Jesus died, but now he is alive. Happy Easter. I know, it feels weird. Easter in October, Easter the day before Halloween. For those who are in Christ, it is a resounding yes. This is our defining story, whether it is spring outside and kids are getting ready for an egg hunt, or it's a little dreary. Christians, whether we sit in a wedding ceremony when young folks are giving their vows to each other or when we sit at a graveside outside on a dreary day and our loved one is lowered to the ground, we are the people of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No matter the time, no matter the season, no matter the circumstances, this is the foundation of our faith. It is not a metaphor for us. It's not a bedtime story. I'm not sharing it with you to cheer you up today. It is the bedrock on which we stand as we believe in Jesus. It is our reason, it is our hope, it is our truth. Jesus is our reason. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our truth. In January, we began a, um, a study of the book of John, and today we reached the end of John's account. He was an eyewitness, first account person, and he wrote down what he could write down. So John chapter 20 is called the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have followed Jesus through uh, wedding parties, uh, miracles, funerals, fishing trips. We witnessed over the last couple of weeks, Jesus arrest his beating and his crucifixion. But it is all guys, this chapter that it has been leading up to. And John wraps up his beautiful account. So the end of John chapter 20 ends with these words. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. End of chapter. John says, I couldn't tell you about... All of it, but these are written. All the stuff that he has written has a purpose, and the purpose is so that we could know Jesus rose from the dead, so that we could believe in that, and that we could have life. That to me sounds like the perfect ending to a book, doesn't it? Let me hear it. Look at it again. He said, All this stuff I've written so that you could believe. He's telling us why he wrote it, and he says, So you will believe and have life in his name. He says, The Son of God is Jesus, the end. Happily ever after, roll the credits. Could there be a more definitive end than these lines? And then John tells one more story. So it feels like he closes his book and says, this is why I wrote it. He says, there's a bunch of stories. I can't tell you all of them. And then he gives one more story. I've wondered, is this the classic pastor moment when everyone thinks he should just wrap up the sermon, you know? And the pastor says, in closing, three times. (laughs) And yet he keeps going. Why add one more story? Was John, the intentional author, suddenly sloppy and just tacks a random story on the end? Could he just not help himself? No. Jesus being raised from the dead isn't the end of the story. I'll say that again. Jesus being raised from the dead is actually not the end of the story. So we wonder, well, what else could happen, you know? What else could there be? What else is left to be said? What's the last story? I'll tell you. The last story in John's account is about one disciple having breakfast with Jesus. Isn't that cool? That's the closer. Not the resurrection, but um, this one story. So we see the resurrection is cosmic. It's universal. It's for all people, for all time. And it is for Peter. I want to read you the last story, okay? Here we go. John 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. All the boys were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning... Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciple followed in a boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but with with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast." None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This is the last story in the gospel of John. And in it, Peter is hating himself. Peter's hating life, right? He even knows Jesus is resurrected, but he's still not in a good spot. So that might resonate with you today, okay? He knows that Jesus is resurrected from the dead, but all is not well inside. He can't get over how bad he messed up. His tendency to always get it wrong, always put his foot in his mouth. And so he goes back to the lake and back to fishing, and he has a terrible night. He catches zero fish. You know what's worse than staying up all night? Staying up all night fishing and not catching anything. And Jesus, before he will return to heaven comes walking on the beach to find his friend. He does this miracle where they catch so much fish, the boat feels like it's sinking. And John, the writer of our account, is in the boat with Peter, and John says, Peter, that's Jesus. And when he says, that is Jesus, Peter jumps into the water. He swims through the lake. Peter did not think it all through. He had no idea what he was going to say when he got there, but he wasn't going to miss Jesus again. And when he gets to the shore, Jesus has made a fire. Peter is soaking wet. You know, he just jumped in the water. I imagine, you know, he's kind of got that cold feeling you have when you jump in a lake, you know, before the sun has come up. And there's a fire there. The Bible is very descriptive, and it says it's a fire of burning coals, what we would call a charcoal fire. And so my assumption, and many people's assumption is, when Peter comes to the shore, he's freezing, he's soaking wet, there's a fire there, your first instinct is going to be what? To go to the fire, warm yourself over it over this charcoal fire. There are only two mentions of charcoal fires in the Bible, two mentions of a fire of burning coals. One is on the shore when, Jesus, when Peter swims in this moment, and the other is a few chapters back in John, a moment when Peter denies Jesus as someone he's ever even known before. It says that Peter is warming his hands over a fire of burning coals. And so when he comes on the beach and his hand goes over the fire and he meets the eyes of Jesus, we could assume that they probably both remembered the last time Peter was warming his hands over a charcoal fire and he was saying out of his mouth, I've never met the guy, never seen him before. No, I don't know him, he said three times. And so this moment, here they are. He comes back, hands over the fire, and Jesus does not say, who do you think you are? He does not say How could you have done this to me, Peter? He does not shame him. He does not condemn him. He does not say, how dare you? He says, come and have breakfast. In the ultimate end to the ultimate story, we have a few elements I'm going to lift up to you. The first is this, bread and fish. It says Jesus has fish over a fire and bread. He's made a fire. You know, John chapter 1 talks about Jesus being God in flesh. He's a real guy, and he has the ability to make a fire and prepare a meal for his friends. But this phrase, bread and fish, if you read John, and certainly for Peter, would remind you of one thing that happened in the book of John, the feeding of the 5,000, when a little boy had bread and fish. Actually, the bread and fish was brought by Peter's brother, and they all saw it. And so it was one of the great miracles, maybe the most notable miracle of Jesus. But now the miracle is for Peter bread and fish. I mentioned the charcoal fire, just like the charcoal fire that was at Peter's biggest mess up. So Peter has seen Jesus offer extravagant grace, like to the, uh, the woman at the well or the one caught in adultery or to the tax collector. But now the extravagant forgiveness is for him. This phrase in John chapter 21, follow me, it's how Jesus uh, ends his charge to Peter over the breakfast meeting. Well, follow me were the same words, of course, that were echoed in John chapter 1 to the fishermen on the shores of Galilee and when he called them to follow him. So the thing that Jesus offered in the beginning is the same thing he's offering to the end. He's like, it's the same thing, guys. It's the same thing. And then one, one other thing I want to show you that I had missed before, and that is there is a man soaking wet standing on the shore, knowing that his story is changed forever. I'm going to call it the soaking wet sinner, okay? John chapter 1 begins, and we are told the first thing in the first chapter of this book, John is talking about a baptizer, John the Baptist, a guy who was dunking people in in the Jordan River. And he was baptizing them for the forgiveness of their sins. It was a strange account. But the story begins with John the Baptist telling the people he's baptizing, there is one coming after me more powerful than I who will have a different baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so now here stands Peter with the water of Galilee, which is the same water of the Jordan River, dripping off his brow early in the morning, looking Jesus in the eye, and he realizes I'm now baptized. I don't think... John chapter 21 is John just having, I can't help myself moment. I got to tell you some more stuff, right? I actually think it is his most intentional story. Peter, the one Jesus says he will build his church upon, is a soaking wet sinner. Recently reminded of his biggest denial. And Jesus is not scolding him. He's cooking for him. And calling him to follow again. So, in closing, what I notice (laughs) in life, I talk to a lot of people. And there are a lot of conversations I have where I would say the way I would sum it up is things just don't feel resolved. You know, I talked with a friend last week and he shared with me, I was like, are you looking forward to the holidays? He said, actually, I'm not. He said, I'm feeling a lot of sadness going into it. He said, because my son won't be with me. I know that he and his son are estranged, and he began to talk like we've talked before, and he can't even figure out why or how it got to this point. And I have a lot of conversations with people that feel like that, where we're just like, how did we get to this point? Why is this happening? And there's just sort of this lack of resolution hanging in the air. I would call it an ache, a shared ache that we all know. And the ache that we have is actually for John 21 so the resurrection of jesus don't you don't hear me lessening that at all it's what we stand on today but what never ceases to amaze me is after our resurrected lord has busted up sin and busted through the tomb door he starts one by one looking for his friends mary who's crying thomas who's doubting john who's still loving him with a big heart full of love and peter who's running away And he brings to them the resolution after the resurrection. And I believe that Jesus is one day going to bring full resolution to your ache, to that thing right now that is hovering in your heart. He's going to sum it up. He's going to bring it all together. He's going to heal. He's going to redeem. His resurrection, it is cosmic and universal for all people, for all time, but it's also for you So in closing, I loved uh, some years back hearing of a magazine survey. It asked, what is the one phrase that you would most like to hear? You know, not a scientific thing, just a magazine survey. What's the one phrase you would most like to hear? The number one answer, you know what it is. It is, I love you. If you can just have one person say, I love you, you can make it. If you can know just one person loves you, you can get up and go. It is the deepest longing of the hearts of all people to be loved and have someone say to you, I love you. You know, I love you begs a question, right? How will you respond? When my wife, Rachel, says to me, I love you, she's not expecting me to say, thanks, dude. You know? There's a, it calls for a different response. A different answer, I love you, of course, beckons for, I love you too. The number two answer on the survey was always a surprise to me, but it'll make sense when you hear it. The number two most longed for phrase in America, according to the study, was, I forgive you. Almost everybody is longing for somebody to say, I forgive you, 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 I forgive you. <laughs> and then number three is why I've told this over and over After the first time I heard it from another pastor, the number three most longed-for phrase in America, according to the Ladies Home Journal, is supper's ready. (laughs) Supper's ready. I grew up in a time not too long ago, but after school we would go outside and we would play until we would hear our mama say from the back door, supper's ready. And even though you're playing and you're having a good time, you're kind of just waiting for it everything in you is sort of like when is she coming i'm sort of ready to go and for me some days that was my mom's pork chops and my favorite fried okra and sometimes it was little caesar's my mom was a working mom but what i loved about supper's ready is all day i'd been the toughest kid i could be at gladeville elementary i was the baby of the family and when i came to my table all i had to do was sit down and eat I had my seat, and the table was set. The gospel of Jesus Christ says, I love you, I forgive you, supper is ready. Come and have breakfast with me, Jesus says. Peter thinks, but I got to deal with all this stuff. I got to deal with all my stuff. And Jesus says, no, you don't. I already dealt with it. So in closing... The response is jumping in the water, if you're wondering. What's the response to all this? The response is you jump in the water. You don't have it all figured out. You don't know, even know maybe what you're going to say when you get there. But you know you're going to the guy on the beach. You get in the water and you get yourself to Jesus. Jesus. God isn't closing his story until everyone has heard the good news. I want you to see just a short video from Thursday of a bunch of people uh, who got to the water. You Holy Spirit. We've made our best plan for tonight, God. And now we say cue Holy Spirit would you speak to our hearts God would you comfort us would you heal us would you help us would you minister to us God would you be the preacher tonight And would you be the baptizer tonight And we simply pray a prayer of increase. God, increase in power, increase in power, increase in power. And we'll marvel, God. We'll marvel at what you will do. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) It's cool. I I see so many of you out here in the service that were on the video. It's so good to see you. If this morning you want to respond to Jesus, I just wanted you to know that we'll have that uh, for you at the end of the service. We, have the tu- the, we left the tub up, clean water, we put new water in it. Um, I don't really know what to say. I uh, just want to invite you, you know if it's you, um, while we're having communion you can come up. Pastor Mark and I'll be over there and we'll talk to you about the baptism maybe you want to recommit your life. We can dunk you in the tub. We'll figure it out. I don't have it all figured out for you right now, how that will work, how wet your car will get or whatever, but it's maybe, um, or we can just put water in your head. It's not, you know, it's just a recommitment or to, to say yes. So I just want to let that sit uh, with you a moment. Um, I'm going to say a prayer. While I'm praying, I want to invite Jeannie and, and Steve to come up. Uh, she's coming this morning uh, to get in the water and it's really pretty cool that, you saw uh, Steve at the end there on the video. He's got the same shirt on. Uh, <laughs> and um, so as they're preparing, let me just uh, offer a prayer over us. God, thank you um, that we still get to live in this story and people still jump in out of boats into the lake and swim to you because you're the only thing that can make everything all right. I just feel that moan heart right now, God. Just a, a gratitude to you that you've that you've saved me. I feel like Peter in my heart, someone who has denied you and messed up enough times this week that I can't even count. And yet, here you let me come back again. You've set the table. And so as we come for communion, God, we pray that bread and juice could be a way that we receive our bread and fish today, the meal that Jesus has for us because he loves us so much. We receive it in that way, God. I know We know it's you know, wafers that don't taste that good and these little juice cups, but for us... Um, It's you meeting with us. That's why we're doing this crazy thing every week, coming to the table. Pray for Jeannie as she comes and gets in the water. What a courageous thing to do, a vulnerable thing to do. But she's doing it out of a love for you, God, a saying yes to you. And so we honor you, God, and honor her decision and the angels who are celebrating in heaven right now. I pray for those who might need to come this morning and be baptized. Move, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.